Thank you, Lord. <laughs> All right, I'm going to reel you back in. You guys can continue this at the end of the service. It's always good to watch you guys get around and greet each other. Um, God has blessed us so much, not only as being children of His, but brothers and sisters together in His kingdom and in His family. Amen? God is so good. Well, I thank you all for your prayers and cards and kindness, and uh, they worked. I'm feeling much better, and uh, I just want to say that I heard this amazing message last Sunday. He's not going to look up, but that's all right. <laughs> but just know Jeremy's turning red right now. Uh, but, but it was. It was an awesome message, and I have heard so many people say how timely it was, how, how, um, how it was, the, yeah, powerful. That's his mom. Uh, and, and how, <laughs> but she should be proud. Um, you know, I'm proud of Jeremy. I'm proud of, of all of the people that God has here and, and what he's doing, because God's doing an amazing thing here. Um, but he, he's doing it everywhere. I was, I was uh, some information came in about how the church in some of the most hostile areas of the world, in the Arab areas of the world, is growing at 19, over 19% a year. That's faster than what's grown in America. God's doing great things. There are, there are thousands of people being saved all the time. One of the organizations we support, SOS, uh, they have huge um, uh, meetings in Africa, and there are hundreds of thousands of people that are gathering and being saved and there is revival. There is a real revival and an influx of souls into the kingdom, just as the Bible said in these days would happen. And just because we're not seeing it here doesn't mean it's not happening. It is happening. And this is going to sweep the earth, and then the, the church will be taken by Christ. And that's a great thing, but there's a great work to do. And we in America, we, we the church in America need to really look at our lives and say, are we, are we as committed? Are we as, as in love with Jesus? Are we as desiring to have God's will in our life as we should? Or are we distracted? You know, we've been learning about fruit and how important fruit is. It's important because it, it brings great pleasure to the Father. It's important because Jesus said, that's what I chose and appointed or ordained you for. And, and it's that fruit that's going to cause people to know that we're disciples of Jesus. Jesus said they'll know you by your, what? Fruit. And so it's not an optional type of thing. This is a priority in our lives. But it's all, all of it is for us to continue to grow in the character and the nature of God, Christ to begin to reveal Christ who lives in us by his spirit. The Bible says Christ in us is the hope of glory. Now, we, we want to see the glory of God, don't we? Well, we can see it. Every day, if we allow God to live big in us, his glory will be revealed not only to us, but through us. But unfortunately, 
it's fortunate, but it's unfortunate. We have, we have probably more blessings in this country than any other country. This is the land of opportunity, right? There are people that want to come to America because what they see in America, the ability to be able to abound in life, is very evident. And they want to get out of where they are and come to where we are. And yet so many Americans are just complaining today. And that's because they don't realize how blessed we are, how much abundance we have. When we walk into the grocery store, you don't have just one type of bread. You've got a variety of breads. You don't have one type of juice. You have a variety of juices, right? We have, we have so much. And yet, understand this. The more we have, the more the possibility is of the things having us. Okay? And there are things pulling on us all the time. I mean, everywhere we go... There are things trying to get our attention, our affection, our allegiance, our investment, whether it's time or finances. And the more stuff we gather to ourselves, we hold on to, it begins to possibly get a hold on us. You know, the blessings of God come, but we've got to be very careful that we don't get controlled by the blessings of God. Because the blessings should never control our lives. God should. What do I mean by that? I, I've shared this before. I heard it from someone. I don't even remember who I heard it from. If, if you had a jet waiting at Griffiths, a private jet, to take you anywhere in the world, wherever you wanted to go, and you had all the money you could ever want, and you could spend it on anything... Would you be here today? Or would you be off somewhere? Because the more blessings we have, the more options we have. The more options we have, the more opportunity pulls on us to migrate away from God. I know we don't want to hear this, but it's still true because sometimes we're, we're, we're not really aware. I should, I've got to preach this this way. Because I don't want anybody to say, you were looking at me. If, if you get a boat and, and, you know, you have the finances to get a boat and you're blessed by that, you're going to have to invest time in it. You're going to want to use that. And you may, you may just, well, you know, today's such a pretty day and we don't have too many more in upstate New York and I'm not talking about today is today. But probably I'm hoping for a few days ahead of us it'll be that way. And, and it's Sunday morning and, you know, it would be just nice to be on the boat or at the camp or in the RV or whatever it might be in the park. And all of a sudden we're getting pulled by this stuff because this stuff is starting to get a hold on us. You know, there's no evil in money. Money is not evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. When money gets a hold of us, we need to get a hold of money and use it for the kingdom of God. Part of the blessing of God, money coming into our lives, is to establish his covenant. That's what the Bible tells us. So God wants to bring it to you, but he also wants to bring it through you. And he doesn't want it to get a hold on us. 
The moment these things get a hold on us, it diminishes the hold that God can have on us. Only so many things can we hold on to, and only so many things can hold on to us. And we've been learning about how important it is to, to get rid of some of the things that are hangers-on from before Christ. B.C. in our lives, before Christ came into our life to be Lord of our life. We were living our lives as best we thought we should, according to the dictates, the, the values, and the priorities of the world. And, and we know that when we come into the kingdom, it's totally different. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. But the world says, you need to get at the front of the line. Take care of yourself. But the Bible says, take care of others. If you want to abound, don't try and hold on to things. Give it. And you'll have an abundance. And so there's this whole new way of living that we, we have to find out about. And that's why we've been learning about what Jesus was teaching his disciples before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray in great earnest because of what he was facing, the cross, the betrayal of friends, the abandonment of friends, the pain that was ahead of him, the suffering, the shame, and yet he took this time to teach his disciples because he knew the struggle that was ahead of them and the way the world was going to pull on them. Now, before we get to the word today, I, I just want to help you understand something. And this was, I was sitting and just spending time with the Lord, and he brought to mind a relative of mine. My mom used to talk about her, and her name is Hazel. And Hazel and her husband lived in Central America. She was a real character. And I had heard all these stories growing up about her. And finally, when we moved to Mississippi, we found out Hazel lived there. So Debbie and I went over and visited her. And she was. She was a, just an amazing lady. And uh, one of the things she had told us about was a monkey that she had had as a pet. And then she explained how they catch monkeys. Do you know how they catch monkeys? What they do is monkeys are pretty smart. And what they do is they build a box or they take a coconut and they cut the coconut in half and they put a, an object in there that is very, very fragrant, usually a banana or something like that. And, and they cut a hole in the coconut, they put it back together, or the box, they put a small hole in it. And when the monkey smells, there is an attraction because they smell something that's desirable to them. And they don't necessarily, they aren't able to see it. And they reach into the box of the coconut and they grab it. And when they grab it, their fist is too big to bring out through the hole. But they don't want to let it go. And now what they've gotten a hold of is part of what's getting a hold of them. And they just walk up and they put a net over the monkey and they take him captive because they won't let go of it. And there are things that we've gotten a hold of, and we think we've gotten a hold of it, but it's really us being held by it. We're, we're taken captive by the things of the world, which diminishes our freedom. God having a hold of us the way we need to have him hold us. How, how, how much of our lives do we need God to hold on to? 
That's right. All of me. Why not take all of me? It's an old song, and you probably don't recognize it because I'm just not able to do that, but I've tortured you enough this morning. But all, all, how are we to love God? With all, all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, all. What does that mean that we're supposed to devote our love to other than God? Nothing. The great commandment, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And then he said, and the second is like it, but there's a priority here. Until we love God, we can never, never love another human being the way God has intended us to love that human being. Because this love comes from God. This love is God. And without God having our lives, our hearts, our minds, our soul, our strength, we cannot give what we don't have. And until we give ourselves completely to God, we can never give what God has for us to give to somebody else. We can never be what God has for us to be or do what God has for us to do. And that's where in what we're seeing what we're reading, what we're studying about, what Jesus is teaching about fruit, it, it's, it's really getting to that point, getting rid of all these other things that are dividing our lives and drawing us away from God so that we can be completely devoted and connected and relying on God. And, and so this morning, we're going we're gonna to jump in and we're going to get a little uh, review, but then we're going to go into abiding, which we've been talking about, because that is, that is the third stage of fruit bearing. It's where much fruit, the absolute maximum production in our lives, the overflowing of our lives occurs. But before we do, we're going to pray. So if you just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you, Father, for your spirit that lives in us. Lord, today we know that you're here. Your spirit is here, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace. That, Father, we, we would not just be in your presence, but we would have your participation because we need it. Lord, we thank you today for the word, your word, that will go forth. You said you would confirm your word with signs and wonders following. Father, we thank you for Holy Spirit as he brings revelation to us about your word that we can apply it to our lives and there would be an impartation for us today and that, Father, there would be a transformation. We won't be the same. Lord, we want to grow. We need to grow. And we thank you that you are going to work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. But, Father, we have to be willing participants. Help us to be actively, by faith, receiving your word and relating it to our lives and see where the adjustment needs to be made today. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. So, so again, we're going back to John chapter 15, verse 1 through 3. We find the two first stages in fruit-bearing. Jesus said, I am the vine, the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And we found out that takes away really is to lift away or to lift up. 
And how he does it is through chastening. And, and that word we want to reject because we don't want to be chastened. But we all need to be because when you find out the definition of chastening, it's about education. It's about instruction. It's about mentoring and tutoring and nurturing and training and correcting and disciplining. You know, we've got to be lifted out of the ways that we were in. We're a new creation in Christ, but sometimes there are things that hang on. Some activities, some attitudes, some desires that hang on. And, and we still have sin that's active in our life. And so this, this lifting that he does, that we begin to bear fruit, it's, it's about discipline, realigning our lives. And this is dealing with sin, active sin in our lives. Because when we're disciplined... Discipline means to move from a place, move to a place of obedience and a place of order. Now, before we come into the kingdom, our lives are not really in order. They can't be because we don't have the order of the kingdom. And that's what God wants. So we've got to come into this new place of order that's different than what we've experienced before and obedience because obedience to God brings the best. That God has. It opens up an avenue for God to work. God wants to bless everyone, but we hinder God from his blessing because we go after other things and he won't force his will on us or his ways on us. And his will and his ways are best. So we settle for less than the best. Then it goes on to say, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean in me because of the word that I've spoken to you. So the second stage is pruning, which is, is cutting away. And, and that pruning is dealing with and revealing the areas of our lives where self. We still are, are running, are governing, are guiding our lives. And listen, we, we can't do that. We can do that. But we know if God guides our lives and governs our lives, we're going to have the abundant life. If we do, we are going to miss that because we don't always choose what's best. We choose what we think is good, and there's a way that seems good that is not. Its end is death. So we find that there's a, a second aspect of this. We start bearing fruit, and God doesn't leave us alone. He says, okay, we've taken care of sin, and this is always going to be going on in our lives. God's going to point out. God's going to initiate and reveal active sin in our lives because he doesn't want death working in your life. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. And then when we start to deal with the sin and put off that sin, we have to, we have to participate with God. He initiates, we participate. Then he starts to reveal the other things, the good things in our lives that are not best, that again, pull on us, get us stuck and don't enable us to give ourselves completely to God. God is the only one that knows what our life is to be like, knows what's best, knows what we were created for. And that's where we have to give up and give over everything to him because there's no one that all of our life is in better hands than, than his. his. His hands, his will, his way is the best for us. And then we, we found out that in verse 4 and 5, the third phase, the third stage of this fruit bearing, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him 
bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now, the Word of God is accurate. It's true. It doesn't lie. It doesn't exaggerate. Without him we can do what? So we're wasting a lot of time, a lot of effort, a a lot of resources if we're not doing what he has for us to do. And we see that throughout the New Testament that if, if we do all sorts of things, 1 Corinthians 13, if we do all sorts of things and know all sorts of things and sacrifice all sorts of things, but we don't do it with love, because of love, it amounts to nothing. If we don't do it with love, God is love, right? If we don't do it with God, it amounts to nothing. And I don't want to get to the end of my life, stand before Jesus like we're all going to do, and, and be expecting, well done, good and faithful servant, and finding out I wasn't good and I wasn't faithful because I wasn't doing what he wanted, when he wanted, the way he wanted. I was doing my own thing and what I thought was best so I could get all the praise and the glory. Because that's what we as human beings want. We want to do what we want, when we want, how we want, and we want to get acknowledged for it. I can't tell you how many times people have been hurt, offended, because somebody didn't recognize what they were doing. And that very desire to be recognized diminishes the blessing that will come back because... We're not doing it out of a right heart. This is why this character has to be created in us. We have to adopt a new and living way that's foreign to us, but it's the new kingdom that we live in that will be in for eternity. And so these characteristics are supposed to be part of our life. But it says, abide in me. And this stage, this third stage, we initiate. Until we initiate it, God is not going to force himself on us. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. Abiding. It means to stand in a, a, stand and remain in a place or a condition or a relationship continuously. Not changing, not up and down, but continuously. Abiding means that we're supposed to, to, uh, Continue to endure, to persevere, to dwell, to make a home in, to be present continuously and consistently. It's it's about a relationship. This is where we move from partnership to friendship with God. God doesn't want just partnering with him. He wants us to be true friends. And so when we abide, we abide like a branch does in the vine. What does the branch do? It holds on to the vine. And what does the vine, what is the vine then able to do in the branch? It begins to flow through the branch, and that's where the life is. But the branch is holding on to the vine for dear life. You and I need to not hold on to this, not hold on to that, not hold on to the other. We need to be holding on to God with both hands with everything we have so that God can flow through us as freely and fully as he has designed and desired to do. Because the greatest thing that can happen in your life or my life as a Christian is to have God have his way. And when God has his way, it's going to impact and impart to all the people around us. We're going to know some of it the majority of it, we're not even going to be aware of. But God's going to be doing things 
in and then through our lives, wherever we go, and people are going to be touched by God. And that's the reason why we're here. We're here to be as ambassadors. We're here to be witnesses. And so this abiding, we abide in him and then he abides and he'll abide in us. Whatever we open up to him, he'll fill, but he won't go beyond what we open up to. And that's why we've got to start letting go of things that have gotten a hold of us and have trapped us and hindered us from giving ourselves completely to God. You know, we, we, we at times fear we're going to miss out on something if we don't have this and we give ourselves completely to God. And that is a deception because there's nothing better than God, better than God's will in our life, God's work in our life, and God's work through our lives. So we're supposed to be abiding in him, and he abides in us. Then in verse Verse 7, it says this. If you abide in me, that's an if, a choice. This is something we choose to do. Are we going to abide? Are we going to stay connected, stay present? You know, God made it very evident that he wanted us to have continuous connection and communion with him because he gave his spirit to live in us. It used to be if people were going to connect with God, they had to go to the temple where the presence of God was. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple, where the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God resided, was torn from top to bottom. This wasn't just a little sheet. This was at least four inches thick of material. You know that doesn't just happen by chance. God was showing, I'm coming out. Nobody's going to keep me away from anybody. I'm going to be available to everybody all the time, everywhere, no matter what. And yet we live sometimes in a way that we're like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who I have to turn to. What? You got God right there living in you, child of God. You don't have to get to the internet. You don't have to get to this one or that one. God's right there. The one with whom all things are possible. But we've got to believe it. We've got to believe it. And so he says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. So we know the spirit of God. If you abide in me, I'll abide in you. God comes to live in us. Now he says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. You'll ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So we have God living in us by a spirit. Then we, it's it's our choice. If we abide in him, then, then the spirit of God will be able to rise up more fully and freely and flow in our lives and through our lives. Then we have his word. Will, his, will we abide in his word and allow his word to abide in us? And then we come to this next, next part of abiding because abiding has different areas and aspects of it. We need to abide in him and allow him to abide in us. We need to abide in him and allow his word to abide in us. We need to, his word to dwell richly in us. 
That doesn't just happen because we sit in a Sunday service. This is part of what we are supposed to do. Not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But we need to study the word. Get the word in us. The, the psalmist said, I hide your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. The moment we don't have God's word on something, we can make up whatever we want to be true as far as we're concerned. But how many of you know that even if we think it's a truth but it's a lie, it's still going to do the damage that the lie does? See, that's why we need to know the Word. It's not just about a Sunday morning. This is important. But every day, time with God. When Jeremy said the Word for you today, one of the things about the Word for you today is it seems like it is very, very appropriate for what we deal with. And I want you to know, Bob Gass and his brother Neil and their sister, Bob went on to be with the Lord, but Bob wrote, I believe it was 10 years ahead. You're reading some of the stuff he wrote before he died. And God was so good to give him and give his brother Neil and their sister. And, and I think they've got a couple more people now on staff that, that d- does the writing too. But give them, they're, they're sensitive enough to the Spirit to write things that are so on target for us. I don't know any other Daily devotion that I've never seen in my life when I've used other ones that was so appropriate for what I was going through. But you've got to have the word dwelling in you. It's not just I read it and I walk off. You know, Jeremy was able to share what he learned and and how he saw it. Now, later, days later, this stuff should be crock-potting. Not crackpotting, crockpotting. <laughs> you know, it's simmering in us all the time. The Bible tells us his word is not supposed to depart from our mouth. But we're to meditate on it day and night. It's what he told Joshua. And then you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. So abiding, abiding. Then we come to the next aspect of abiding in verse 9 and 10. And here's what it says. As the Father loved me, I have, all, I have loved you. Let's just stop there. This is one of the most astounding, amazing, it should be securing us like never before. Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I have loved who? You. How did the Father love Jesus? Completely, with a perfect love, with an unending love, with an unconditional love. It didn't, it, that same love is the way Jesus loves you. But listen, there's a problem here, and it's got nothing to do with God, and it's got everything to do with us and the enemy. How many of us, I'm not going to ask you to give any, any indication out, Outwardly, but how many of us struggle with really wrapping our brains around the fact that God loves, Jesus loves us just like the Father loved Jesus? Man, I'm telling you, I, I've struggled with that all my life because, of course, He loved Jesus unconditionally because Jesus always did what pleased Him. I don't. But His love is unconditional, He loves me even when I don't do what he wants. 
What I tend to do when I do something against what God wants, I start to feel bad about it, which I should. I should have a conviction that I've done wrong. But the moment I'm convicted I've done wrong, then I need to run to God, but my tendency is to run away from God. Because I don't feel like I deserve to go right back to God. I need to beat myself up a little bit. Show him that I'm really sorry. See the blood? I'm really sorry, God. I'm so sorry. No, you go right to him. Because he, he lovingly, just like the prodigal son's father, when the son returned, he ran to him. Your father is running to you. And he's welcoming you and restoring you because he hates what sin has done to you, what it's done to me. And so it's not this big ordeal of I've got to do penance and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. No, it's done. It's done. God is so good. But, but we, we, we're loved by him the way the Father loved him. And then he says, abide in this love. Live in this love. Stay connected in this love. Everything that goes on in your life, live it through that love, that agape love. That wants the best for you all the time. That's always there. That, that wants to give you the wisdom that you need. And the grace that you need. And the strength that you need. And the patience that you need. Right? But understand this. It's not a patience that you just develop. It's a patience that you yield to the patience that God gives you. It's not about us trying harder. It's about us receiving. Us aligning. Us opening up our lives. Not being held by other things, but being held by God. In the time we want to get upset with somebody else, we go to God and we let God's patience fill us. And then we just flow in that patience towards somebody else. Because guess what? Guess what happens when you try to be patient with somebody? Does it work for a while? Yeah, it does. It may be just a couple seconds, but it does for a couple of seconds. But what comes is an end to our ability to be patient or kind or loving or good to somebody that doesn't deserve it. They don't deserve this. Look what I've been doing for all these years or all these minutes. And how undeserving they are. And we just want to pull the plug. But then we remember God. God didn't pull the plug on us. And God's patience has no end. He is merciful to a thousand generations. We have trouble being merciful to one person for an hour, depending on what they do. But this is where, because we're abiding, we're, we're with both hands, all our life, we're holding on to God, we're holding on to his love, and God's love is beginning to flow through us. The love of God that Jesus came to earth because of. God so loved the world that was dead in trespasses and sins, doing everything that was against God. And that love flowed so freely and fully from the Father through the Son. The Son said, I'm going, send me. Going in to a fallen earth, saturated with sin, 
And then he lived a sinless life. And then he willingly gave up his life on the cross to pay the price for our sin. He was willing to go the distance for the honor of the Father and for the benefit of all of us. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Do you see that there is, there is a, an understanding we have to have? We can't say we love God and do opposite of what he said, what his word says. If we don't keep his commandments, we are not going to be able to abide in his love. What, what, what did Jesus command? Love God. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Love your enemy. Love. Live a life of love. When, when we abide in the love of God, God shows out in our lives so clearly. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Do you believe God loves you today? This is something you got to settle and you got to battle for. you got to hang on to it. When you're at the worst of your worst, understand that God's love hasn't changed. When we do things we know that God hates, God still loves. Because God doesn't hate any human being. He hates what's being done, but he loves that human being in spite of what they're doing. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So if I abide in God, abide in love, I abide in God and God abides in me. Do you know that, that you are filled and you are surrounded by God? Do you know it's your DNA? What is DNA? Isn't it the essence of what a human being is? Every human being has a certain type of DNA that is unique to them. But I want you to know every child of God has DNA, a divine nature activated. When we come to God, all of a sudden, that divine comes into our life and it activates, energizes, empowers, and imparts to us. All that God has, all that God is, all that God wants, it's available. We've finally been plugged back into the source. Do you know what the DNA of Resurrection Life Church is? It's love. Our vision. You know, our visions, some people say, well, I don't know what the vision is. It's, it's out there. Our vision is to know the love of God personally and practically. The vision God's given to RLC is to grow in the love of God and then to show the love of God. The, the, the name of the church, Resurrection Life. What does life stand for? Anybody know? Love and full expression. I had somebody say, well, you know, I understand it's love and full expression, but it's not there yet. You're right. We're always growing. We know that we need to continue to develop to show the love of God in every aspect, to every person, every time. 
But we're not going to just back away because we haven't attained it. I would rather say this is our goal and fall short than say this is our goal and fall short there. Because God's working in us. And I will tell you, if we will live that out, if we'll, we'll show love in full expression, I'm telling you right now, this place will not be able to hold the people. And we who are here will be willing to do whatever it takes to minister to all the people that God has, that he loves, that he's bringing. Here and to all the other churches that are living the life that God has for them. Now, it's a choice. We're to love and bless those that persecute us and despitefully use us. But we can't do that unless the love of God is flowing to us and through us. There, there's, a, there's not just an energizing, there's an impartation that happens from God that clearly is beyond us, just like it was with the disciples. They said, you know, these guys, these guys are a mess, but they've been with Jesus. That's why they're amazing. From a mess to amazing is God. And he'll do it with every one of us. It's the same transformation that happened with this building. This building was a mess. Nobody wanted it. There were people in this city that were able to purchase this place with cash and looked at it and said, no way, I'm walking away. That's a mess. And fortunately for us, we didn't know enough to be scared. But we knew someone had ordained this. There was a man by the name of Stuart Hepworth. Some of you don't know him, don't know anything about him. He was a man that a lot of people looked down on. He was the man that God had spoken to to help us find this place. Stuart is in heaven. He is receiving his reward. And he is realizing how God used him wonderfully in many, many ways. But this was just one of them. And then, then people did what they could do and turned this mess into what you see today, which is amazing. It's what God does in our lives. That's why we can't look at the mess of any other, any other person's life and say, you know, you just don't qualify. God loves to take the messes and make them amazing. And that's what love does. Love does. And so the, the vision of this church is to know the love of God. It's about communion with God, intimacy with God. That's the first place. Until we have that, until we have that love relationship with God, until we're abiding in God and God's abiding in us and we're abiding in his love and his spirit and his word, all of these things come together to cause us to be supernatural children of the Most High God. We're not ordinary. You're not ordinary. You're extraordinary. And the extraordinary comes from God, but we allow him. That's why we choose how, how, how much, how fully, how consistently do we want God to show through our lives? 
We control that by how much we're going to abide. How much are we going to hold on to God and let go of everything else? You know, vision, vision. Well, I don't know what the vision is. Know the love of God personally and practically. Show the love of God. What's that? Showing the love of God is about community. It's about interaction within the body. You know, we, we, we need to build community. That's what Life Cares are about. It's like what, what Journey is about. It's about us coming together, having God as, as the, the foundation of our lives and be able, being able to interact, to uphold, to encourage, to walk life out with one another. We're not a neighborhood church. People are coming from all over. And that's where sometimes when, when we get together and we, we fellowship, we greet each other, everybody wants to just go wild. Let's just do this for about a half an hour. That's grab somebody, take them to breakfast, take them to lunch. Meet them in the middle of the week. Do life together. Because we can't do it alone. We need each other. The Bible tells us completely we need each other. It's, it's an interaction in the body of Christ. Building community. That takes time and effort. It takes sacrifice. But it's worth it. And then showing God's love. That's about the commission, the great commission that we're all supposed to be a part of. And if you're part of this church, you already are part of it in a way which supports missionaries all over the world. But that doesn't get us off the hook for doing our part. Presenting the gospel to all creatures. To all creatures. That means a neighbor. That means a co-worker. That means somebody that we interact with sporadically or maybe just once in a lifetime. But it's about making an investment in the people around us. Without this, without the, the discipline that we need to be removing sin from our life that pulls us away from God, without the pruning that we need to cut away some of the things that we have continued to run in our life instead of turning from self to our Savior to rule us and to guide us and to govern us, without abiding, without these things, we're never going to be who God knows he created us to be. We're never going to do what God has for us to do, which is amazingly beyond anything we can imagine or dream. I believe in, in the heart of every Christian, there is a deep, deep desire and longing to be used by God. But to be used by God, we've got to let God in and let him have his way. And the best way to do that is to live in the love of God. All the time, everywhere, with everyone. So that when we get squeezed by the things in the world, when we get hit, by people in the world, 
what's going to happen is when we get squeezed or when we get hit, what comes out is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, now abides. That means it's going to last. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. When we look at this last stage of abiding, those three are there. Hope. How is hope there? By the presence of Holy Spirit who lives in, within you. The God of hope would fill you with all, all peace and joy in believing that you would abound to even more hope by the Holy Spirit. Faith. When the Word of God dwells in you, faith begins to just rise up in you. And then love. And of all of these, love. Because faith works by love. And this love needs to be a characteristic that is so evident, so present, so free-flowing and full-flowing in our lives that people will experience the impartation of that love, of that grace and of that mercy and of that goodness and of that kindness. And they're going to move towards God. It's going to look like they're moving towards you, but what they're moving towards is God. Christ in you that's the hope of glory. I just want to ask you to bow your heads. You know, this is one of those times where we have to take a look at ourselves. Are, are, we, are we allowing God in this relationship we have with him? Are we allowing him to point out the areas in our lives that sin is still active? And are we, when he points it out, are we ignoring him? Or are we turning to him and turning away from those things? Putting off the old man. And putting on the new man that's renewed in righteousness and true holiness. Are we allowing God to prune us? Are we not just allowing, but welcoming God to help show us where we're self-reliant instead of Savior-reliant? That we're relying on our own understanding when the Word of God says, trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. That we're working it out the best way we know how are we trusting God to work it out for good the way he always will if we choose to love him and fulfill the calling he has for us. You know, right now, it's, it's just a moment to pause. Let God speak to us. Are we abiding? Are we grabbing onto him? Are we moving towards him? Are the other things catching our attention and our affection and our allegiance? It's time to put those things aside and say, God, I want all of you and I'm going to give you all of me. And Father, as you show us these things, you don't show us because you're angry, you don't show us because you want to hurt us. Father, you love us. 
You want the best for us. You're only doing what will cause our lives to become more aligned with you. More connected with you. That you can fill us and flood us and overflow us in a way that you have always, always desired for us. Because, Lord, it's in you we live and move and have our being. Just as the scripture that was shared this morning at communion, this life we now live, we live by you. It's no longer us that lives. We die to self so we can live that full abundant life to you. Father, help us not just make this the only sacred moment in our lives where we're, we're quiet and we're attentive. Help us to become more abiding, more connected, more attentive, more receptive to you everywhere all the time. So that you can truly have your way in us and through us to impact and impart to all those around us. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, before we dismiss, we've got some new members. I don't know if they're here, but Deb's going to come up. Well, not up, I'll come down. I'll meet you halfway. Thank you. <laughs> to share with you. so blessed to be able to announce that we have some new members at Overlook Park Church. Amen. And I'm not sure if any of you are here today. I don't think so this morning in its first service, but I'm going to read the names. If, if I've missed you and you're here, please stand up. Otherwise, you all can guess who they are. <laughs> <laughs> you get to know them. Uh, Courtney Coffin. Gloria Coffin, Alan Crockett, Jennifer Crockett, Denise Luzak, and Heather Sullivan are now members of Resurrection. Okay, I'm standing. If she's by me, I'm going to keep her by me. Would you guys stand? God has a great week for us. He has a week to be overflowed by his blessings. Overflowed by his love, by his character, so that in the overflow, you're going to flow out on the people that he so loves. Every person we meet this week, no matter how they're acting, God loves them so much that he gave his son. We're there because God wants them to know that. So, Father, I thank you for every one of your children here this morning. I thank you that as we go today, your presence not only goes with us because you live in us by your spirit but goes before us and prepares the way and is our rear guard. Father, help us walk each moment of this week with a real awareness of your presence, with a new receptivity of your impartation, that, Father, we would have the impact 
and influence you have for us to be in our community, in our families, at our work, in the places that we do business. Father, we carry the kingdom of God, and we want your kingdom of life and of love, of hope and peace and joy to be revealed so freely and fully in us and through us. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for your generosity to us that we can be generous with others. We bless you and praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Have a great week.